0: This is the Gate Charlotte Podcast. You're listening to a message by Pastor John Matthews.
1: <laughs> Listen, if this is your first time at this church this morning at the Gate, we just welcome you. We honor you guys for coming out. I know there's probably some people here that are here to um, hear Justin and uh, the Love Life and Jennifer as well. I haven't met you yet, but I just want to right off the top honor these guys and kind of tell you what we're doing today. Um, I've known about Love Life Movement for a little while now and the things that they're doing to just bring life where there has been so much death and to go into the darkest places and bring light. And... um, Matter of fact, uh, their, their family goes, this is their church, uh, Josh and Jackie and their beautiful kids, and, and so we've gotten to know them, and a few weeks ago, the Lord I just really just said in my spirit, hook up with these guys. Like, it was like a just do it, you know, just hook up with them, and we kind of been on the fast track. I reached out. We did a one-hour journey, and like, I mean, it was like bam, 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 bam. It just happened so quickly, and um, I went down with them. And for, to kind of fill in the blanks, and he'll do uh, a really good job at telling you what they do, but I'll tell you my experience right up front. When I went down with them to uh, what, the largest abortion clinic in this area, and they, meet, they, they met with us around the corner and just talked, shared their heart. You could already feel just the presence of the Lord on what they were doing. You um, could also feel the resistance in the atmosphere. Matter of fact, the resistance started on me the night before. Like, I, I I haven't told anyone else this, but I immediately that night had, like, all this demonic warfare. The enemy was, like, waking me up, and I did what I pretty much always do. I wake up, oh, it's just you, and then I tell him to go away, and I go back to sleep. I don't have, I'm, I am too, I like my sleep too much to war in the middle of the night. So I come into the fullness of my authority in the middle of the night. I'm just like, no, no, buddy, I'm not playing that game. And, um, <laughs> no, no isn't that the truth? We're like more open to war in the day at night. I'm like, no, I'm God's kid. Go away. And um, (laughs) I remember hearing a story one time of, I think it was Graham Cook that had this demonic attack in the middle of the night. And the enemy came into his room and was shaking his room and all this stuff. And the furniture was moving in this major demonic attack. And he woke up and he was like, oh, it's just you. And he's like, you can leave now. And he went back to sleep. And then he sat back up and he said, you know what? (laughs) This is crazy. This is such a Graham Cook thing. Um, He's like, I don't want to move my furniture back. He said, you can come back and put my furniture back where it was. This demonic spirits came back, moved his room back, and then he said, now you can leave. <laughs> I think it's about time we start treating the devil that way. Like, no, I, I'm not going to spend time cleaning up after you. So anyways, I just, I know for me immediately, even the moment that I accepted to come down there, I immediately felt just the the demonic resistance for me to even get down there. And um so I got up and went down there and as soon as I got there for those of you that know me I'm a major feeler. I can that's just how I operate in the spirit big time as I feel things. I can hug somebody, I can feel so much off of them. And I knew when I went down there it was going to be a pretty big journey for me as a feeler because I knew I was going to be feeling a lot of stuff. And um that was as prepared as I could be. But um we got down there and they just shared the vision which they'll share here. Uh, momentarily when we tag team and um, we walked down the road and we got right in front of it and uh, they shared all the statistics and you see people pulling into this place and you know that they're going in there and there's life in them man I mean I didn't I was not there long enough to see it but they've told stories about seeing ladies go in with life and they come out without it and it's just heartbreaking and how many know that the heart of the father's life Good morning, church. I said, how many of you know that the the heart of the Father is life? If you remember when the when the disciples said they were really frustrated about something, and they said, you know what? You just want us to call down fire from heaven? You just want us to kill them? And Jesus said, you don't know what spirit that is, because it's not mine. Yeah. And so I, I went down there, and we walked, and we prayed, and, and they're doing what, I mean, honestly, I... I told somebody this, actually, I ran into somebody that knows you guys uh, the next day at the chiropractor, and I said to her, I said, not that I would know better, but I said, I can't even think of a way to do better what they're doing. I said, it's just, it's so amazing how they're doing it. Um, and so, I, I I know I'm not welcome, it sounds like I'm doing an intro here, I actually have something to share. Um, but even before I get to that, these guys have connected thousands of people, huh hundreds of churches in a city where I've grown up most of my life. I know how hard it is to get just two churches to come together. And they've got a grace that is, is a grace. And before we go any farther, I know this is not what they would ask, but I want us to honor them right now. Can we just honor Justin and Jennifer right now for all they're doing in our city? We love you guys. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. I know not what you want, but thank you. Thanks. I, when we set this up like (laughs) last week and uh, we pulled this off really last minute, um, the Lord had already been stirring some things in my heart. So I'm going to share for, I actually have my phone set to go off. So I says, stop talking. And so I can (laughs) give Justin plenty of time to share on his heart too. But, um, I've been thinking a lot about how Jesus, if you don't know, Jesus is one of my heroes. and uh, um, He is perfect theology. For those of you that have a lot of questions about theology, he is perfect theology. Theology is the study of God. He did only what the Father said. He only went where he went, and he only did what he told him to do. And so if you're really confused, the best school you could start with on theology is learning what Jesus did. And I began to think about Jesus, and I began to just think about, and and forgive me, I don't have a a really well laid out point by point this morning, I'm just going to share a few thoughts. Um, Jesus had this ability where even the sinners, even the people, I was thinking about like a Zacchaeus, he's a thief, he's a sinner, man, and Jesus walked in a way where even the sinner would say, I just want you to come to my house. We've made evangelism into something that's way harder than it should be because we're trying to win people over through a process instead of by a person. And we've got all these processes. But if we leave out the person, why? Why would we join something like that? And Zacchaeus knew he was guilty. He knew he was was inviting someone in that saw things completely different than he saw them. Yet he wanted just to have him in his house just to dine with him. And Jesus, you know, I'm can. I, just thinking about it from kind of a practical perspective for a moment. You know that people in Zacchaeus's family were probably talking to him like, hey, man, you need to, like, shape up, you know? Like, I mean, just practically, every, every person like that's got somebody in their life like, dude, get your game together. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you, you were the dude that needed to get his game together. And you know that somebody was speaking into your life, hey, come on, man, just... And here comes Jesus, and, and Jesus, you know, was, was the one that walked in all five graces. He was an evangelist, he was a teacher, he was a prophet, he was an apostle. And here he comes in, and he's got this grace on him. And how many of you know? It's always like evangelist walks in the room, and the person you've been witnessing to for twenty years, all of a sudden, gives their life to the Lord. You know what I am talking about? And hello, you know, you are just in denial. You're praying for somebody like 20 years, and then the evangelist walks in, and all of a sudden, they're like, I just want to give my life to the Lord. It's like, I've been telling you about that for like 20 years, and there's just a grace. And, and, but Jesus walks in, and he's got this grace that was just, even before he walked in the room, man, sinners were like, just come and hang out with me. Come be with me. And the whole idea what I want to talk to you about is just, just, just about restoring culture. That's, that's, that's on our website, Re- Reaching People, Releasing Heaven, Restoring Culture. I feel like we've done a really good job at the first two, and I think we're getting ready to step into a realm of the third that we've never stepped into before, of restoring culture. And 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 we see, we see Jesus demonstrate. If you've got your Bibles, it's a passage that you all know. But go ahead and flip over to Ephesians chapter six. Ephesians chapter 6, verse, uh, this is verse 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Here it is, guys, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Everybody say, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. This is so important because if we understood this, we would not be so impressed and so scared of people that are living in sin because I'm not, wor- I, it doesn't intimidate me. We, we say that it doesn't, but then we get really uncomfortable when we're around them. When Jesus would just go, let's just have a meal. You don't have to come to my house. I'll do it in your house. <laughs> We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. Jesus had this understanding. Where it wasn't a person he was working with, it was a principality. He yeah. yeah. wasn't looking at them and just saying, you know, we've, we've gotten so bad about like labeling people by Spirits. Yeah, I'm going to go there. Well, that person's a Jezebel spirit. Well, that really brings hope. Let me pick out one of the worst people in the Bible and say, that's you. And then hopefully you'll let me pray for you. That's. (laughs) I know we say that, but we do that. And we take the spirit realm and we stick it on the person and then we look at them as the spirit. When Jesus said the exact opposite, it's not the person, it's the spirit. He said things, he went to people. He was like, remember when he went to the lady at the well, he was not at all intimidated by her sin. Remember, she's, she's at the well and he, and he comes up and she's like, you know, the first thing she does is get religious, right? The very first thing. She's like, well, will you worship over here, we worship over here religious spirit loves to show up and trying to tell people how to worship in our day they'd be well that's too loud that's too quiet that's too contemporary that's not contemporary enough the lights are too bright the lights are too dark the same thing keeps trying to come back but Jesus she immediately goes to the religion card and says well your people worship over there mine over here and Jesus just right through that man just just psh, Right through that, and he begins to what's he do? He begins to move in words of knowledge. He said, "You know, uh, you're actually the one. You're not the man you're with right now. It's not even your husband. And you got this history." And she comes out. She's like, "Sir, I perceive you're a prophet." So. <laughs> <It's like, laughs> At least they gave her that scripture in the Bible. Made her feel, you know, it's like, yeah, you got it right. And and so she's like, I perceive you're a prophet. And then Jesus begins to just immediately just go into this. And how many of you know that in this point in time, I mean, it was really politically wrong for them to be at the well together right now. And Jesus was like, no, I have to bring light where there's darkness. I have to bring life where there's death. And so immediately he understands it's not this lady. It's the spirit realm. And he just releases life straight into her. Actually, she takes off and becomes a phenomenal evangelist, saving whole towns. I mean, how many, whew. Got to stay on point, got to stay on point. (laughs) My phone will go off shortly. But how many people are in hiding? How many people are waiting? How many people are right there and because we can't see past the person to see the spirit realm are phenomenal evangelists, phenomenal missionaries, phenomenal children of God. Come on, is there an evangelist in the house this morning? Let's back that up. Is there a Christian in the house this morning? We got a bad habit of putting all the work on evangelists. <laughs> I got so much in my head this morning. Oh, Jesus, I was telling this to Justin before service. You know, the Lord never says, pray for the harvest. He said, pray for the harvesters. Why? Because, I, well, I, I mean, I can understand we need more, but the reality is if you're saved, you're already one. So we don't need more. We need people that actually have their heart aligned. And the reality is, is that the alignment of the heart will determine the harvest. And so when we get people whose hearts are lined up right, you're going to see a huge harvest. Jesus never said, pray for the harvest. There is no lack of harvest. He said, pray for the harvesters. Yeah. He didn't. He actually didn't say, pray for more harvesters. He said, pray for the harvesters. They're already there. Yeah. Pray for their heart, because if their heart will get lined up, they can bring in a harvest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what God's doing. That's what's happening this morning. That's what you feel in the room this morning. That's what's, that's what's shifting. I think about with Jesus, he just, his, his, Jesus so often, it wasn't even what he said. Like if you read your Bible and you see things that Jesus said, it's often not even the words. It's just the spirit behind it that he's operating from. How many, how many of you remember, we don't have the time to go through, but you can just flip over into John, um, write down John chapter six, and we see Jesus is by far his most controversial sermon. Um, He feeds, the memory feeds the 5,000, which was many more than that with children and with wives. And, And then if you read on, it said the next day that, you know, Jesus wasn't there. So they all went to find Jesus and they followed Jesus somewhere around John chapter 6, verse 60. And then they do, and what happens? He preaches this sermon that, I mean, guys, this is a tough one. They're like, you know, asking all these questions about the son of God. And he drops like the bomb. He's like you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Yeah, you guys know that that's like metaphorical. He did not like lay that out before he said that. Guys, just so you know, that's how preachers would do it. You know, just so you know what I'm getting ready to say, you know. Jesus is like, well, unless you eat my flesh, drink my blood. And so what happens is, is all of a sudden, listen, the crowd gets really thin it said that everybody took off, and Jesus said everybody took off. And Jesus looks at the disciples, and I have a feeling they were pretty much the only ones that were left. And he looks at them, and even they are struggling. And they say this. I think it's Peter says, "All right, uh, this one's tough, Jesus." I think the exact words are, um, yeah, yeah, "Huh? Yeah, that's, that's kind of it, huh?" He's like, "This is uh, your the words you're speaking are a little challenging here," and. Peter, everybody gives Peter a hard time. Peter's one of my favorites. He had a big mouth, but he's the only one that got out of the boat. He was the only one that right here, when all the other disciples were like, ah, this is challenging, and Peter, he speaks up and says, yeah, this is tough, but then he says this. He said, but all I know is your words are life. That's the difference between what Jesus is releasing and the words he is saying. Sometimes you'll see he says things, but there's so much life in them. And even when he would lay out a hard truth, it was so filled with life that they would say, all I know is that your words are filled with life, and where else would I go? Sometimes there just needs to be a locking in. As Peter locked in. He's like, listen, this is a really challenging sermon today, Jesus. But there was no other Jesus down the street to try out. (laughs) Some of you got that. He had to lock in. He said, listen, I don't get it, but there's life on you. I don't get these words, but there's life. And Jesus carried life everywhere. He went and he disrupted culture. One of the greatest mistakes that I think we've made is we confuse who we battle with. How can, you, how can you effectively battle if you don't know your enemy? How could we effectively win if we think people are the enemy? That's how we hurt so many people. Jesus said, no, 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 no. Ephesians 6.20 It's principalities. It's powers. It's the things that you don't see. And here the enemy has come along through the years and tried to remove. The the, the irony is that the enemy has tried so hard to come into the church and remove the unseen realm. And we've tried to separate it. And it's like it's a drive in us that knows there's so much more than what we're seeing. I mean Hollywood's figured it out. They're making millions, billions off of films about the unseen. Because there's such a drive in every person that breathes that there's more than what I see. But then we've tried, we've, we've, we've been afraid of what would happen if, you know, you know, we lose control in a church service. <laughs> and, and this is my favorite services, man. I was even sitting here this morning, people were hooting and hollering. I'm like, we have such a fun church. Like, you know, this is, I was talking to my son recently and, you know, um, what, what were we talking? He we was talking about something and he just made this remark. He's like, dad, he's like, I'm just really not interested in a regular church. He's like i I loved it he was like we're irregular, I guess, but he's just like i'm just he's like, dad, that's just I'm just not interested in regular church, you know, and I'm like, Come on, son, i'm like you are you are the man i'm like I'm getting all excited, you know, like come on, you know, happy father, you know man moment came out of me, you know yeah. <laughs> i You guys don't even know what it's like. I mean, y'all are seeing this. Wait, so the ones that grow up in it, their whole life come up. And they're like, they've never experienced fear in the house of God. They're like, I've never experienced control in the house of God. They just know this is where people that love Jesus get together and have a really good time and see people get saved, healed, set free, delivered, the whole thing. (laughs) We got to know who we're battling with. Jesus had such a high value for people. For us to be Christ-like, he has such a high value for people. He, he was irresistible. Even with their junk, they wanted to be with him. They, their junk didn't deter them. You know, well, I'm a thief, so, you know, let him in. No, it's so driven. I just, I, I want what you have in my house. Now, let me, let me. Let's make this clear, but never confuse the fact that Jesus was not bothered by sin, that Jesus was okay with sin. He didn't okay it. He wasn't, you know, that's, if, if we've gone there, we've missed the message of the gospel. It didn't bother him. He wasn't turned away from, well, that's, you know, whoa, that person, they're going to. No, but he wasn't okay with it. He would, he, would, he would say things at the end like, hey, after we've done this, 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 go and sin no more. But you gotta grab this guys, that's how he ended, that's not how he started. Hello, if that's how your track starts for winning people to the Lord, that's a real hard sell. Jesus didn't start there. He started with saying, You've got to know who I am. You've got to feel what I carry. You've got to feel the love, the joy that I carry. And after you have that, go and sin no more. It wasn't a go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. You're free. You're free. If our approach to restoring culture is simply pointing out people's wrongs and just calling them to repent, we won't get far. That's part of the process, but that's not all that's to it. Jesus understood that before he could evict the lies in their life, that first he had to introduce them to the spirit of truth. He didn't just come in after the lies. He had to let them meet truth. This is really important. Because that's what these guys are doing so well. Because we can go down there and write nasty things on signs and try to evict lies all day. But if you're not letting them meet truth, you're not going to get anywhere. And we have to introduce them to truth. Truth is a person. It's Jesus. And we carry him and we say, listen, I just want you to meet truth. I want you to meet truth. Because when truth comes in, lies go out. Jesus was not intimidated by evil. He was not impressed by darkness. His message on truth was so strong. It was so strong, he carried truth so strong that people that were highly influenced by darkness would search him out. You gotta get this. I'm trying to bring you to a point that there's so much more that you can actually come to a point that you carry so much truth that people that are highly influenced by darkness will want you to sit in their front room Some of your minds are like, I don't know. It can happen. There's never been a battle between light and dark. When you flip on the light switch and the light works, there's no battle. It's not like light, dark, light, dark. Dark, 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 light. Now, if your light bulb doesn't work, that's your problem. But, you know, it's like, <laughs> no, I didn't mean it like that, all right? Don't be taking everything. Like, I meant like a literal light bulb, all right? <laughs> is, I know what's going to go out on social media this week. Um, <laughs> so, but listen, when you, when you flip on a light and the light bulb works and the electricity works, there's no, like, battle, We've almost created this thing like it's like, well, I don't know if we can overcome darkness. Darkness cannot overcome light. It's just somebody's got to flip the light switch on. But it can't lose. It can't lose. And that's what we're doing. That's that's what these guys are and what we're going to come in and partner with them. And we pray and they fast. What are they doing, man? We're turning the light on. We're releasing truth. We're not just speaking hateful statements. You're bringing life. Right. Yeah. I was so impressed when I went out there with them that weekend because when they stood there, I mean, people were like, <laughs> and I, apparently I just saw like the, the very, nu- like very little. But they were like in their face. I mean in their face, shouting. My favorite part of the day, though, Colby, who's our media direct guy, and he's not in here right now, he got hit with the spirit of joy <laughs> while someone was shouting in his face. <laughs> There's nothing that will irritate the enemy more than when you laugh in its face, and here, here's someone just and Colby just—it's not—he's just like, <laughs> and it was like you could feel like the like. A, Rah! And it was like, but just joy came in because the Lord's like, I'm not going to leave you hanging there. I got you. Let's just release my joy now. And there's something that happens, man. And listen, this is what, this is what, this is where we're going with this. We, what you carry, what you did in this room this morning, it has to get out. It has to get out. I believe that it's important, Bill Johnson says it this way, he says that whenever I taught my kids to ride their bicycles, I would take off the training wheels in a field so when they fell, it didn't hurt so bad. This atmosphere is a safe atmosphere to learn, to grow in the Lord, with the purpose of taking it out. One of the things that Justin had told me, he said, you know, sometimes the people that are coming in resistance, and they're not out there fighting people, they're just out there praying. The people are coming back at them. And he said something that caught me one time, he said, I think it was Justin, maybe it was Josh, but one of them said that somebody said, why don't you take this back to your church where it belongs? I believe that is the greatest manifestation of the voice of the enemy, that he is happy if it would stay in the church. I believe that was a direct, like I believe the enemy was speaking, keep it in the church. It doesn't really bother me there. Okay, I can feel the resistance starting to come. <laughs> you gotta get this, guys. The enemy The enemy is all about, he... he, he sometimes I think he works differently than how we think he works you know we're in this whole political season and all this fighting and I'm not going to go there but I know this much I really think the enemy has less care about what side of the topic you're on as long as he can keep you fighting over the topic (laughs) I know conviction wave through the room let it just, just blow through the room the enemy is very has very little concern of what the topic is as long as he can keep division. He doesn't care what the topic is because he thrives in division. Because when unity takes place things happen. Let me just let me let me wrap it up on this. I was reading this morning and, and I really don't have time to do it justice but I was reading one of my favorite stories I was reading Acts chapter 4 and I'm going to give you somewhat of a recap but uh, if you actually just go ahead and flip there Acts chapter 4 let's make it legal and read the scripture Um, Acts chapter 4 and we're going to go really quick Acts chapter 4 verse 1 now as they spoke to the people the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead and they laid hands on them and put, but not a good lay hands on them. Like lay hand, like you're going to jail. Took them. They laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men came to be about five thousand. However, many of those who had heard the word believed, I and mean, I love it that the, the five thousand showed up. And it came to pass the next day in the, uh, let's see, do I want to read all that? Let's just jump down a little bit. Verse, uh, verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Some, and sometimes you've got to let people see what you're not so they can see how big Jesus is. And they were okay. They were okay with that. And it says, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. (laughs) And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. A man with an experience will always have more authority than a man with an argument. And when you have a man standing there that was sick Mm -hmm. and he's now healed, and they're looking at him saying, Well, nothing we can do about that. They didn't go into a debate of does he heal? He's the guy we healed. I don't know where this is going, man. I I can feel like this is going to be fun. Verse, uh, let's jump down to verse 20. Uh, Well, let's, let's pause one second. Stop there a second. So what happens? They release them. What did they get in trouble for? They got in trouble for being bold. It said that, they, it said that they, they went and they ministered in the boldness of the Lord. People were getting healed. People were getting set free. They were preaching the resurrection. And, and, and what happened? They got put in jail. And, but they really didn't. I love it even if you read through the whole scripture. They're like, now what are you guys going to do? And they're like, we're going to keep doing it. They didn't back down. They weren't like, you know, we'll stop. <laughs> no, they were like, we're just going to keep doing it. They, they, had, they had put... They had put their stake in the ground. They're like, we're not backing down. But they said, well, I got nothing I can charge you on, so let them go. So they let them go, and here's where it gets fun. Verse 29, they've released them now, and what do they do? The first thing these guys do is they go find a prayer meeting. It's my kind of believers, man. They're not like, let's go home and just rest for a little while, take a week off. That was a little rough on me, actually. That warfare was just beat me down. No, let's go find a prayer meeting. And so the first thing they do is they leave and they go, verse 29, and they say this. Here's here's their prayer. Now, Lord, look on the threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. (laughs) What do they say? God. The very thing that actually just got us in trouble, we want more. (laughs) Like that thing that just like ticked off all the principalities and rulers in the spirit realm. Can we have more? That with all boldness that we may speak your word, and by stretching out your hand to heal, and the signs and the wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, everybody say, when they had prayed, prayed. and they were assembled together, the place was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they all spoke the word of God with boldness. (laughs) I love these guys, man. They're just like, okay, so I, you know, we just we want more. And what happens? They they begin to lean in for more. God has this thing where he likes people. He likes children that say, "I need more because I have more people I have to impact." And he said, "I'm going to show up big." What happened? There's a prayer meeting of all prayer meetings. That's the one I'm waiting for when we're praying and the whole place begins to shake. And you literally begin to feel him come in the room like that. The place shook. And what happened? I believe something shifted in the atmosphere. I really do. I believe that something, because why? They're, they're, they're fighting against the invisible realm. They're fighting against principalities, against powers. They came at it. They knew their enemy. They said, all right, our enemy is not these guys imprisoned us our enemy is what's influencing them so let's go ahead and pray for more and so they prayed for more and god showed up he shook the place the atmosphere shifted but i want to do this i want you just to kind of take i want you to look at look at the book of acts almost if you could kind of just get up in the sky and look at an overview of the whole book of acts the process holy spirit Is given. These guys begin to go out and do the work. Signs, wonders, and miracles. They get caught. They get released. They go out. They get get more boldness. And they go out and they keep bringing the word. They pray. Literally heaven connects with earth. Literally. The atmosphere shifts. And if you go over a couple more chapters we begin to see things happening like this guy named Saul who was their greatest opposition. What happened? They came together in unity. They shook the heavens. And all of a sudden, the guy that was their greatest opposition has an encounter with the Lord that even his name had to change. And he went from Saul to Paul. And what was their greatest the, the, the guy that was like, I want you to, again, we're focusing on the spirit realm. He was like their key player. Jesus showed up. And what happened? He, somebody's worshiping. Amen. Um, this, what happened? He, he switched over, and he became one of the key players for the kingdom. The guy that wrote... Ephesians, one, two, three, the guy that said, we've got to get past the basics like raising the dead. He was that radical for the enemy too. And then a bunch of believers just said, give me boldness. And they shook heaven and the whole atmosphere, the culture got disrupted. And then a guy like Paul has an encounter with the Lord and he becomes one of the greatest key players in our history. Why? Because people said enough is enough and they went and they prayed. And I want you to catch this. It says in Acts chapter 9 Acts chapter 9 verse uh, Verse 31, then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace. The, the goal is not warfare, guys. <laughs> then all the churches throughout Judea, Galilee, Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And listen to this, and they were multiplied. I want you to catch something. When the Holy Spirit was first poured out and the church was first born, it said that they were added to. But when boldness began to be released, it became multiplication. It started as addition. But as they began to go after the Lord and come together in unity, it turned into multiplication. Increase happened. And I I believe with all my heart And as we come together, and this is not about, and he's getting, I'm going to welcome him up in just a moment. It's not about, it's not about going out here and yelling at people. It's about going out into the dark places where people feel like there's no other option. They feel like there's no other option. And he was telling me some of the the stories this morning. He said, you wouldn't believe some of the people that carry the guilt that drove them there. That just drove them to the abortion clinic. The guilt they carry. And he, and, and, but we're, you know, we're out there just bringing life and saying, Lord, there's, (laughs) we're being Jesus, man. Where he said, listen, I carry truth. There is more to this. There is better. And we release light. And so I'm very moved by what these guys are doing. And I'm just kind of laying a foundation now. And he's going to share for a few minutes on what they're doing and how we're going to get involved and before I welcome him up though I just want to say this I want I'm going to challenge you guys when we um when we do this when we we do our walk with them I mean I want the whole church there man like I want the whole like I'm going to be there with my kids uh, we're going to be out there You did think I would have action right to what I just spoke on like you really yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's the thing, action, uh, physical action releases heaven's reaction. It was as long as Moses kept his arms up, they won the war. There had to be a physical action that released a heavenly reaction. And you can pray all day, but sometimes there's a physical action that has to happen so heaven can react. And that's where we're going to go with this. So I've already already shared quite a bit, but I just want to again welcome up Justin to come. Yeah, and come on up here.
0: Let's give King Jesus a shout of praise. Come on. I know I once was dead, but now I'm alive in him. Has anybody else been set free in the house? Come on. We have the answer. We have the hope because we've been made new. We know the way. Before I get started, thank you, brother, for that, that intro, man. But I want to kick it to a video here. I want you guys to see the transformation that's happening in our city. Can we t- kick to the video real quick? And then I'll come right back up.
2: Came to just, the
3: abortion clinic, we feel like you know, we it was wanna, just no help,
2: like we was helpless. Yeah. Like,
3: we didn't want to bring a baby into our situation,
2: we just thought old. it was the only you way. Know. We was just like, This is selfish to the baby.
3: We felt <laughs> like you know, we didn't have no hope in nothing, you know, because we've been living in hotels for maybe almost two years now. So, you know, we lost everything stuff in the storage, everything we lost, everything. So, we just starting from the scratch
1: when the Wiggins arrived. And I, I just kind of glanced to my side and I see a beat up old car, windows
0: down. And the, the woman said, we have no choice. We have to abort this baby. What are we gonna do?
2: My car pulled up, I meet these people <laughs> and they're talking to me and they're saying, no, no, you don't wanna do that. And just the conversation got deeper and deeper. And then I just decided like, okay, well, Maybe this was meant for me to meet these people. Maybe, you know, it's a purpose in this. So within that same day, really, I changed my mind about the abortion with the baby. And we kind of went from there.
0: So, uh, so we call Love Life and tell them this, these people need everything and they need it all tomorrow. And Love Life instantly took on, you know, helping us to find a car, uh, helping us with the housing issue. Getting them set up with a mentor in a church right away.
3: It made it made us think about things better than abortion, you know. We had to think about, you know, that's a baby life. You know, God blessed us with this baby for a reason. So, you know, with it when the idea of us getting married you know, because we, we've been together for 12 years. I mean, it came across our mind, like, yeah, we're going to get married. One just,
2: day, we just never And <laughs> just never got
3: around to it. Just from, from that day, we went to the abortion clinic, and everything came to us at one time. Yeah. As far as, like, keeping the baby, marriage. marriage, you know, mm-hmm. um, helping people and stuff. So it made us look at things different.
2: I've never had no one to reach out and help us, for somebody to reach out and say, I love this family. like. And just play that role. Like, they took it on right away. They took the role on right away. Like, that same day I met them, they took that role on to help me and and, and get my mind from thinking a negative way about the pregnancy to thinking the positive is going to work out. Uh, it's just a process that you have to go through, and are you willing to do that? And I said, yeah, I would do that. with y'all encouraging me out?
0: Yeah, thank you, Lord, for the Wiggins. Thank you for what you're doing in their life. I just want to recap something really quick. See, they they came to the abortion center on a Wednesday. Wednesday is the day when churches are praying and fasting. I'm telling you that this Wednesday, your Wednesday, when you press in, it matters, church. It matters. They showed up on a Wednesday, chose life. On Thursday, got married. Excuse me. Gave their hearts to the Lord on Thursday. Got married on Friday, and now join us at the at the prayer walks on Saturday, as the mentors are walking with them. Now have been brought into the family of God. That's what it's about. See, we're not praying just for an abortion center to close. The real miracle we're praying for is for hearts to be turned to the Father. That's what we want to see happen. I want to bring one more thing out of this story. They say love life immediately stepped in. What they really meant is the church immediately stepped in. The body of Christ stepped in. See, these mentors got side by side with this family. They got in the ditch with this family. The local church began walking with this family, moved them into a better housing situation, got them a car, threw them a baby shower, provided for the first two years of this child's life. That's the love of Jesus in action, church, in action, Listen, this is one story of over 1,200 families in the last two and a half years that have chosen life at the abortion center. One of 1,200. Incredible. Man, I'm excited to be in the gate this morning, at the gate. What an incredible place this is, man. I just want to take a second and honor your pastor. Pastor John, thank you, brother, for taking a strong stand for life in this city. Come on, put your hands together. Let them know you're thankful. I'm thankful that there's still Mordecais to be found in this city. There's still Esthers to be found in this city that will rise up. I'm telling you that the Lord is doing it. He's calling his people. He is awakening his people, and he is activating them all across the state of North Carolina. I'm going to share some of those stories with you this morning. But this is y'all's week to mobilize. Actually, y'all are doing it a little bit different than most churches do, which I expect from the gate. Now knowing you a little bit. He came to a one-hour journey on Wednesday, and he's like, I want you here on Sunday. And normally it takes like three months for us to do a Sunday launch from a one-hour journey. He's like, no, we're ready to go now. And, uh, And so you guys are adopting week 39, which is actually happening in two weeks. Uh, which, is, which means that you guys are gonna pray and fast that Wednesday, and you're gonna show up that Saturday for the prayer walk, but week 39 is your week to mobilize. It is your week to stand in the gap for these families. It is your week to stand between the living and the dead, to believe God to do an impossible thing, to believe for the abortionists to have that Saul to Paul moment, for Ron, Fermani for Susan Roquet, for Jimmy Isaac Newton, the three main abortionists here in our city, to have that moment, to begin leading prayer walks with us across our nation. That's the miracle that we pray for. That is what we have seen played out as over 21 abortion workers have left that place in the last two and a half years, and one of them was the manager of that place, that now prayer walks with us on the other side of the street. That is your week to stand in the gap. That is your week to mobilize, to show the love of Jesus in action. I'm a business guy. I'm not a pastor. See, the Lord it moved me into business at the age of 20, moved up here from South Florida, uh, just began working, began putting my hands to what was in front of me, and, uh, but the Lord revealed something very quickly, and we talked about this this morning, so I'll park here for just a second. The Lord revealed to me that uh, this business is not a stepping stone to ministry. It's not a stepping stone to a higher calling. This is your ministry. These are your flock. These are your people. See, I believe that when you have Jesus in your heart, you're always in full-time ministry. There's no separation between marketplace and ministry, okay? There is no line there. When you have Jesus in your heart, you are in full-time ministry. So I release that over this body. No matter where you are, if you work at Movement Mortgage or Movement Insurance or you're a nurse or wherever you are, if you have Jesus in your heart, he has called you to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world, let it out, man. Let it out. I was, I was at the, the abortion center on Saturday doing our prayer walk with our people. We were doing a live Facebook feed that ended up crashing. Side story. But um, I had a, uh, a lady that came over to me and started berating me in the middle of the live feed. And, and he, that's exactly what she said to me. She said, just stay in your churches. Just stay in your buildings. Why don't you just go back to your buildings? Let me tell you, that is exactly what Satan wants. He wants us to have great services. Go read Isaiah 1 this afternoon. Go read Isaiah 1 this afternoon. He wants us to continue to have great worship nights, great prayer meetings. But you know what he says in Isaiah 1? I'm not listening to you. Your hands are full of blood. Seek justice. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. That's the response he's calling for in this city, in this time, for this generation. Listen, and we got to stop viewing it as those people or those children. These are our children. These are our people. Last time I checked, we all have the same creator. Listen, right down the road from here, 15 minutes down the road from here, for 18 years, 18 years, there's been over 100,000 kids that have died on Latrobe Drive. Over 100,000. See, this story began for me when I had some business friends that invited me out to La Trobe Drive, and they said, Justin, do you know what's going on here? I was completely unaware of it. In fact, I have been doing business with a company right across the street for almost 10 years and never knew this place ever even existed. And my heart broke that day as I came face-to-face with what I call the tragic truth about our city. The tragic truth that abortion is the leading cause of death in our city. The leading cause of death. Not cancer, not heart disease, not gang violence, not drug overdose. Abortion is the leading cause of death in this city. 150 to 200 abortions happening every single week. Latrobe Drive is the largest abortion center in the southeast. Okay, not Miami, not South Florida where I grew up, not in Atlanta, Charlotte, North Carolina, in our backyard, in our Jerusalem, Latrobe Drive, the largest abortion center in the Southeast. Very strategic with their online marketing, very strategic with their price points. This is a business for them. This is a privately owned business. Understand that this is not a government institution. It's a privately owned business by Stuart and Lois Snyder. They live on Lake Wiley. They live here in the city. They have four abortion centers throughout the southeast, but this is their headquarters. This is their corporate office, 15 minutes from down the road from where we are right now. One out of four women will have an abortion in their lifetime. One out of four. It's also one out of four men. And I actually believe this is more of a man's issue than it is a woman's issue. If men were standing in our proper place of responsibility, women would not be turned into the abortion centers. In fact, the stats back that up. They say that 90% of women say they never even would have considered an abortion. Never even would have thought about it. If the father of the child had simply said, I'm with you, mom, we'll figure this thing out. I'm calling for men to rise up in the city of Charlotte that are gonna protect women and children. Come on, man, where are you at? Are you ready to rise up in this city? To lay our lives down so that others can live. A culture shift. And let me tell you that we are not here to bring shame or condemnation. Please hear this. We are here to bring healing and restoration. That's who Jesus is. That's who he is. And I'm telling you, I know I'm speaking to some people that have walked this road. I understand that. I know that. I believe that you are the Navy SEAL of the movement. If you will get healed and set free, I'm telling you, you will become the Navy seal of this movement. So mama, papa, whoever you are, you drove a friend, maybe you paid for it. Listen, don't keep that thing a secret any longer. Let that thing out, man. If you are in Jesus, you are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. He wants to use your story. He wants to use it to advance the kingdom of heaven. But we gotta know this stuff. We gotta really know what's happening in our backyard. This is the tragic truth about our city. As I came face to face with this, I was completely broken. I couldn't believe what I encountered. The next day, I went, went to my office, called an all staff meeting. I said, Do you guys know what's going on in La Trobe Drive? I was, I was serious. I was like, Does somebody know about it and you haven't told me? They didn't know what was going on either. So I said, We're going. We got in the car, we drove to Latrobe Drive that next day. We got on our knees on the sidewalk in front of that abortion center and just began praying. We didn't know what to do, but we had to do something. We had to do something. So I took him down there, and then I began bringing my pastor out, and the Lord just began working on my heart. And through a season, we just celebrated 10 years in business, and we were seeking the Lord. Lord, what are you calling us to do? And through a season of prayer and fasting, the Lord spoke very clearly to me. He said, I've called you to the least of these, and I've called you to be a voice for the voiceless. And over the course of a week, God began waking me up in the middle of the night, downloading a strategy and a plan to unite and mobilize the church. And this is the vision of Love Life. Hear this, to to unite and mobilize the church, to create a culture of love and life, a culture of love and life that will result to an end to abortion and the orphan crisis. Listen, God has called the church to shape the culture. Politicians' legislation will follow the culture. That's downstream. We're creating a culture where families stop running to La Trobe Drive for the answer, and they begin running to the gate. They begin running to the local church in the city. That's the shift that we believe for. I don't know what Bible you're reading, but in my Bible, I have Matthew 16, 18, that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, not the politician, not the piece of legislation. Again, through the church of Jesus Christ, we will see this thing through. He has given you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Listen, God wants to see abortion in more than we do. He's just been waiting for the church to co-labor with him. We are his hands and feet. Anytime he wants to accomplish something, he does it through the portal of man. He did his part. The tomb is empty. The victory is ours. The tomb is empty. It's our turn, church. This is our city. Those are our children. This is our generation. This is our time. Let's not miss it. Let's not miss it. That's the mission, that's the vision, that's what we're after, to see a culture shift. And we believe that with God all things are possible, not some things. All things are possible with him. I understand this has been legal for 45 years, but I also understand we serve a God who's bigger, who's stronger than any other. When I look at it, I don't even see a giant. I'm like Joshua and Caleb, I don't even see a giant. I'm telling you, we are going to take the land. It's not if abortion ends, it's when abortion ends. It's not if that place closes, it's when that place closes. We're going to buy that building. We're going to turn it into a place of life. It will become a beacon of light in this city for our kids when they grow up, when Jack and Josie grow up and they have kids, they will drive down Latrobe one day and say, remember when that used to be a place of death and now it's a place of life. It will become the 12 stones in our city. When God dried up the Jordan River, they crossed to the other side. He said, carry those 12 stones to the other side. Why? To remember. To remember God. To remember his faithfulness. To remember how he moved his hand in a mighty way. That's what this will become. I'm telling you, our kids are watching us. They want to know if we really believe this thing. It's easy to believe it in here. Do you believe it out there when the people are up in your face? And you're binding up the demonic and you're loosing heaven over a place. And you can't always see it. Sometimes God lets us see it. Over 1,200 have chosen life. Over 21 have, have left that place. So we've seen incredible things. But you don't always see it in the moment. But will you still believe it? Do you still know that he's, he's with us? He's, he, he is doing battle in the heavenly realms. My Jack, our first year of doing ministry out there, Jack, we just finished a prayer walk. He was in the backseat of my truck. And I said, Jack, thanks so much for coming out to the prayer walk with me. He said, Daddy, I'm watching you. Two years old. I'm watching you. I'm watching you pray. Our kids are watching us. Do we really believe this thing or not? So this week, week 39, we have an opportunity to co-labor with the Father, to believe for the impossible to happen in this city. I'm going to walk you guys through four simple steps this week. We want to hear, pray, go, and connect. This is how we mobilize the church. You heard the tragic truth about our city. On Wednesday of week 39, we're going to call you to prayer and fasting. I believe that when we pray, when we fast, we align our heart with the Father's heart, as Pastor John talked about this morning. we got to win this thing in the spiritual realm first, and then it will manifest in the natural realm. When we pray, when we fast, let me tell you what happens. We turn down the noise of the world and we turn up the volume of heaven. Who wants to turn up the volume of heaven in their life? Come on, I know I do. I know I want more of him. So that Wednesday, we're going to do this thing. Let me tell you, we we launched in Greensboro three months ago and in Raleigh three months ago. In the last three months, the the camp is so confused. The enemy camp is so confused up there. We have them on Facebook Live talking, yeah, we don't know what's going on on Wednesdays up here. Now no one's showing up on Wednesdays. This place used to have 10 to 15 people on Wednesdays. Zero abortions have happened on Wednesday for the last three weeks in Greensboro. (laughs) Don't tell me that's a coincidence. Don't tell me that's a coincidence. We have seen around a 70% drop in abortions on Wednesdays and Saturdays, the two days of concentrated prayer in our city. This place in Charlotte used to average 50 abortions every Saturday. Now they're averaging around 15. It's not a coincidence. When light shows up, darkness has to leave. You carry King Jesus with you. And when you show up, I expect things. We should expect things to happen. We should expect babies to begin jumping in the womb, just as they did with Elizabeth. We should expect the motherly instinct to be restored to the moms. We should expect the fatherly instinct to be restored to the fathers. We've seen it happen. People, they walk in there, and they walk out, they walk in, they walk out. This, this spiritual battle that's literally manifesting itself in the natural right in front of us. So we're going to pray and fast on Wednesday. And Saturday, we're going to go. We're going to go to the prayer walk or go to the abortion center. We're going to show up. We're not going to yell or scream. No, we're not going to yell or scream. We're going to pray. We're going to worship. We're going to call heaven down on that place. We're going to bind up the lies and we're going to lose truth. And we're going to let the Lord do a miraculous work in people's hearts. But on Saturday, we need you to show up. That is your day. To pray and fast. I want you to, for your day to show up in prayer. I want to show a video of what it looks like when the church mobilizes for a prayer walk. When you show up and pray, you are opening your mouth. You're speaking for those that don't have a voice. And that's what we're called to do as the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus said this, those that seek to save their life will lose it. But those that lose their lives for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, they will find it. Church, now is the time for us to lose our lives for the sake of those who need our voice. we got to lay our lives down. we got to give up a Saturday. we got to give up a day of the week for the sake of those that don't have a voice. I just want
1: you to understand that you are a part of making history today. And what happens in the city of Charlotte can literally spread around the country. Jesus said to us, to you and to me, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. When I go into a dark room, I don't curse the darkness. I say, where is the light? Let your light shine friends let's make history today in charlotte
0: Listen, this is our city. This is our generation. These are our children. This is not the end. This is just the beginning, church. This is not the end. This is just the beginning. Come on, one more time. Can we give King Jesus a shout of praise? That was our week 40 prayer walk last year. We now have had over 170 churches that have partnered with us. We have updated numbers from the video. We have over 32,000 people now that have gone to Latrobe La Trobe Drive for the prayer walks. Listen, two and a half years ago, there weren't many people there. Most of us didn't know about it. We just didn't know about it. Thankfully, we had some of our partnering ministries like Help Pregnancy Care Center, Cities for Life that were out there. But now the church is mobilizing and awakening and activating like never before. Again, in Greensboro, same thing. In three months, Greensboro went from having zero people at that abortion center to now having the church next door that had been silent for nine years running to the scene in prayer and fasting, mobile units that are offering free ultrasounds in front of the abortion center six days a week, sidewalk counseling happening six days a week. The billboard above the abortion center got bought and put a picture of a woman that shows life with her baby, saying, you can choose life too. Call this number. We want to help you. This is what transformation looks like when the church steps in. The Japanese restaurant next door that gave us permission, his son just gave his heart to Jesus last Saturday. He said, who is this person you guys follow? I want to follow this Jesus. Yesterday he was out there volunteering with the prayer walk. I'm telling you, this is what happens when we get this out there. We take church right to him, man. We take it right to them, right to the darkest place of our city. I'll give you one story, and then I'm going to get into step four, which is connection. Um, Because, listen, every single one of these numbers, you got to understand, are not numbers. These are lives that we're talking about. One of the workers that left, okay, her story is that her niece came for an abortion in 2016. came for an abortion in 2016, and she chose life at the abortion center. At the abortion center, she chose life. She gets connected to a mentor. She was one of the very first mentees to ever enter into the mentor program. We have a mentor program that walks with these families. We don't just pray that they choose life. We say, we'll get in the ditch with you. We want to walk with you. We want to love you. Uh, So she gets connected with a mentor, and the mentors begin to do an amazing job of walking with this family, loving on them, offering them everything they needed for the child and, and surrounding this family. Well, little did we know that her aunt is the manager of the abortion center. They're doing this just out of obedience. The Lord pricked their heart to walk with this family, and they're just loving on this family radically. So all of this word gets reported back to who? Her aunt that's managing the abortion center, Latrobe Drive. She begins hearing about the love of Jesus in action. Okay, so for the last year, while she was still working there, she began uh, counseling these women, saying, hey, you don't have to have the abortion." The people out on the sidewalks will walk with you. They'll walk with you. They're doing it with my niece. They're not crazy. Actually, they'll walk with you. They'll love you. It's real. It's genuine. And finally, she said, I can't work here any longer, and she left. And then she actually joined us at that prayer walk that you just saw on the screen. The manager that once was on the inside taking the appointments and scheduling these women to have the abortions now is on the other side of the street, praying for others to choose life. That's what happens, church. First John 3, 16 and 18, this is how you know what love is. See, we, we got to define love because the world has taken it and corrupted it. Okay, this is how you know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters, not just with words or tongue, but with action and in truth. This is how we shift the culture. This is how we change it. Just to further describe the battle, Second Corinthians chapter 10, you did it so well, Pastor John, but I'm going to add to the battle. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have the divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish every argument, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We do this with our prayers, we do this with our worship, we do this with the Word of God, we do this with the love of Jesus in action. As we walk with these families, we foster, we adopt. This is how we change the culture, where families stop running to Latrobe and they begin running to the local church. Step four is connection, and that's where we will encourage you at the end of the prayer walk to go beyond the prayer walk, to become a mentor to a mom or dad that has chosen life, to say, I will walk with you. I will get into the messy situation with you, because let me tell you, it's messy. They showed up that day because their situation is messy. Are you willing to get messy with them? Are you willing to get in the ditch with them? Be a mentor for a mom or dad. We have over 200 in the city right now, but we need more. We need more that are going to rise up, that are, that are going to live out a Titus 2 mentality, a discipleship. Say, I will show you how to be a mother. I will show you how to be a father. We need that here. We need foster parents and adoptive parents that are going to rise up in this city. Because let me tell you, we've got to care for the orphan, not just in the womb, but also the orphan outside of the womb. Psalm 68.5 makes it very clear, church. He says, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. That's who he is. And it goes on and he says, I take the lonely and I set them in families, not orphanages and families. God isn't calling us to build more orphanages. He's calling us to adopt more kids. I'm telling you, man, this is it. If we catch this, you want to see a culture shift. My wife and I just got approved as foster parents. We have around 150 families right now in the process or have already brought kids into their home. We're, we're believing for a huge wave, a huge wave in the, in the body of Christ to catch this revelation and say we will bring these kids into our home. They will no longer be called an orphan. They will be called a son or a daughter. He did that for us. He laid it out so clear for us. So you could be called to be a foster parent, an adoptive parent, let me tell you, we have a crisis here in our city right now with this. 12,000 kids in the foster care system in North Carolina. 12,000 kids in the state of North Carolina. 2,000 of those kids are clear and free for adoption immediately. Okay? They're literally sitting in a group home, which is a nice name for an orphanage. 2,000 of them sitting here in our state. Their parents' rights have already been taken. They are an orphan looking for a mom and a dad that will bring them in and say, you will be my son. You will be my daughter. Maybe God's calling you to foster or adopt. Maybe he's calling you to offer hospitality for somebody who is, to bring that family a meal each week, to help offer babysitting. Everyone can do something. Maybe he's calling you to the front lines, as Miss Sherry is. Maybe he's calling you to the front lines to be a sidewalk counselor. Maybe he's calling you to the front lines to drive the mobile RV to offer free ultrasounds to these moms. Maybe he's calling you to be an ultrasound tech. Whatever it is, I just ask you to answer the call. Answer the call. Everyone can do something. We'll lay this out before you at the end of the prayer walk on Saturday. You'll have an opportunity to get connected to shift a culture. I close with this. Jeremiah 5.28 says they pleaded the case of the fatherless not to win it. It was a rebuke in Jeremiah's day. Let me tell you that we kind of could wear this rebuke as the body of Christ as a whole across America as well. We do Sanctity of Life Sundays and we kind of check a box. We do Orphan Care Sundays and we check a box. But how many know we ain't called to check a box? We're here to win it. Come on, I'm here to win it, church. You believe that with God all things are possible. Not some things, but all things are possible. This is your week to mobilize Pastor, come on up. Pastor John, we're going to do this call to commitment. Listen, we say this a lot of times in our business. To believe is to commit. Meaning if you really believe in something, then you commit to it. It's one thing to, to amen and say, man, that's great. I, I get it all the time at the back of this, at the church whenever we go and speak places. Man, I love what you're doing. It's so good, man. I'm so good. I'm with you. And I'm like, I'll see you on Saturday, right? And like, ah, oh, like, I can't come on Saturday or I can't pray or whatever. listen. We need people that are gonna take a step of action. If you really believe, then you commit to it. Maybe you can't come to your Saturday, but come the next Saturday. We do this for 40 weeks. 40 weeks, we're out there. So we're calling people to take a step of action today. I'm asking you to fill out this commitment card. Everyone has one in your seat. Fill out this commitment card. Give us your name. If you don't have one, maybe wave your hand. Amanda will get you one. Uh, Everyone should've got one in their seats. We'll get you a card. Please fill this out. Give us your name, your email. We are going to email you on Wednesday to remind you that that's your day to pray and fast. We're also going to email you on Thursday to give you all the details for the prayer walk, where to park, what the address is, what time to show up. That's why we need this, so we can give you all of the details for your adoption week. Okay? Gay, are you ready? Yeah. Come on. Let's do this thing.
1: Come on. Come on. We... Um... You guys can bring those baskets and just put them up front. We put the dates up here. Our actual Wednesday is November 7th, and our prayer walk is November 10th. What What's the time frame on the prayer walk? 9 to 11. 9 to 11? 9 to 11. Um, let me put, so you know, one of the things that made this a little different than the normal was that we didn't do it this Saturday because Tiffany and I, uh, we won't be in town this Saturday. And we said that we want to go with the church when we do this. And so we have prioritized it we did this all kind of out of the normal (laughs) it sounds for us basically but you know we want to be with the house when they go out there and so november 10th was a saturday that worked that we could come we could be with the family and we could be there so here's what i'm going to ask you to do guys physical actions bring heavenly reactions and i'm going to ask you guys If any way possible. I mean, if any way possible. First of all, we want you to come with us on Saturday, the November 10th. Amen. I'm not going to, I'm starting on that one. I'll get to the, we're going to pray and fast too, but both is what we'd love for everybody to do. Pray with us fast. If there's no way for you to come on Saturday, we'd be honored if you just pray and fast with us on November 7th as a body. That Wednesday, we're going to take the day, and we're going to believe right there that we begin to see a shift in the heavens. And that way, when we get out there and we walk on Saturday, it's ready. The soil's ready. People are just ready for an encounter. But um, November 7th is Wednesday. We're going to pray and fast. And listen, if you're visiting today, this isn't your home church. I always say it's not coincidence you're here it's not like I just showed up the day that they did the love life thing no uh, I heard what is it Bill Johnson said that the the language of the Holy Spirit often sounds an awful lot like coincidences (laughs) so you may think it's a coincidence but just maybe the Holy Spirit so I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you would and we're going to wrap up the service but here's how we're going to do this I'm going to have you do this we're going to do this right now so fill it out you haven't filled it out, fill it out right now. And at the least everyone in this house can do is say, I'm going to pray and fast with you. But guys, I want to to line up down the whole street with the gate. I want to wrap around that whole place with the gate. And I want to bring heaven that you felt in this service this morning to people that are pulling up that feel hopeless. And when they pull up on that street, they just feel life. And uh, that's what we're believing for. So if we have any worship music, I'm going to let you go ahead and do that. Lord, I pray right now, I thank you, Father, for Justin and what they're doing. Father, and the movement they've started, we stand in agreement there's going to be an end to this. There's going to be an end to this, that we would rise up as the body of Christ and we would do what we're called to do. We wouldn't keep transferring it, Father, just on government, but we would recognize what we are called to do as the church, that we would step up. And we would be light. We love you. Father, we pray just your greatest blessings on them. Stir our hearts, Lord, even right now, in Jesus' name. Amen.